Working with the water non-Aboriginal community and working with our own community together allows us to start eating. In the past, you know, people know who they are and that type of thing, but there hasn't been something there to bring everything together, to bring people together, and Native Title has done that. Welcome to Aboriginal Way, produced by South Australian Native Title Services. I'm your host, Isaac Selby. And before we begin, I would like to acknowledge that we're broadcasting today from Radio Adelaide on Ghana land. So I'd like to pay my respects to Ghana elders past, present and emerging. Each episode, we share First Nations stories and native title news from across South Australia. Let's get started. The artwork of Charlie Flanagan, an Aboriginal stockman and champion jockey, is currently on display in the South Australian Museum. The exhibition, titled A Little Bit of Justice, contains 82 drawings done by Flanagan during his time in the gallows awaiting an eventual death sentence on a murder charge for the shooting death of Northern Territory man Sam Croker. Charlie Flanagan became the first man ever to be hung in the Northern Territory, with the drawings on display offering a glimpse into the mind of the stockman. In 2016, a selection of images were shared with Darwin-based historian and Library and Archives Northern Territory curator Don Christofferson, who was inspired to share Flanagan's story and artistry. Don Christofferson joins us now on the line. Don, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, no worries, Isaac. Now, I wanted to speak with you because in, I believe it was 2016, you found some uh, some of these drawings in a, in a collection, and I wanted to find out a little bit about the initial discovery and your your first reaction when you stumbled across this this pretty remarkable collection of, of art from Charlie Flanagan. I was actually um, researching the second man to be executed um, in the Northern Territory, who was 10 days after Charlie Flanagan. And um, um, Lee Gardam, who works um, at the South Australian Museum, asked me um, if I wanted to... Um, have a bit of artwork done by the uh, man called Wandy Wandy, who was the second man to be executed. And uh, I said, sure. And she said, well, I've got a couple of uh, the first man to be executed, Charlie Flanagan. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll have a look at those. And uh, so she sent me about five um, of those images. And at first I thought that's all there was. And then I realised that there were... Um, about 40 images and then the realization that most of the images were double-sided so he he was drawing on both sides of the paper Um, and so there were um, around about 82 images in all and uh, in in looking at those images you wouldn't know where it was or what what was happening Um, he did have some names written on um, some of the um, cattle stations, but um, otherwise you wouldn't know. So it was the research that I that I found that I I quickly realised he was telling his story in images. We were able to put it all together, and uh, um, with his story from documents, from newspaper articles, from telegrams, from photographs, and uh, put it all together into a book that people can look at and understand his story. It is a pretty interesting story in that when you look at some of these pieces of art that he that he did during his time in prison, it's, it seems hard to correlate 
the nature of some of this artwork with someone who was, you know, eventually found um, guilty of murder. Did you did you kind of sense almost a an interesting correlation between some of these pictures are quite quite light spirited and quite you know quite sweet almost. Did you did you find it hard to reckon the the two different depictions of of this man? Yeah, well, he 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 does drawings of um, him being arrested. Um, why didn't he do a drawing of the actual event where he um, he shot a man, but he didn't do it because that's not what he wanted. Um, and it wasn't that he wasn't taking responsibility. After he shot Sam Croker, he um, waited till the next morning and then they buried the man, uh, Sam Croker, out of Deverne. And um, he got on his two horses and uh, rode off into the distance towards um, um, Halls Creek. And uh, he handed himself over to the police there and uh, told the police what happened and the police telegrammed um, the Northern Territory and they sent a trooper over and picked him up and um, he went by ship to um, back to Darwin. Yeah, so he, he had great guilt and remorse for what had taken place and uh, otherwise he, he could have rode off into the distance. Um, and the other thing, in his court case, he... Um, he offered no defence. They asked him, you know, whether he's guilty or not guilty, and he says, yeah, not guilty. And they said, well, tell us what happened. And he says, no, I'm not saying nothing. He did tell the um, sergeant um, in Halls Creek what happened, but after that, he never said nothing in Darwin. So he went through his entire court case and never gave any evidence in his own defence. Why would you do that? Yeah, I can see what you're saying there, and I feel probably one of the, one of the things that you know paint, paints a picture of it being difficult for this to have been anything other than related to race is similar sentences that were being handed out at the time for you know the same charge of murder were were disproportionate it, it seemed and that that seemed to inspire a lot of debate in the in the in a public forum. Yeah, there was well there was a number of other Aboriginal men who were up for uh, murder and they were sentenced to the gallows and eventually it was only two men. There were um, 10 in the Territory and one in South Australia uh, who was uh, non-Aboriginal and out of the 11 men, only two went to the gallows. Uh, the rest were given life in prison. It was more about revenge rather than justice, you know. That's the way sometimes justice was um, meted out. It was um, who who was killed and um, how how they were killed and how outraged the community were and um, that was the decision that was taken. But um, I'd just like to say that Flanagan, he was such a skilled um, horseman, um, a guy called um, Nathaniel um, Buchanan. He was a, a wealthy um, cattle station owner and um, he supplied cattle all over the top end of the territory in Queensland, NT and WA. And he um, he he must have fostered, um, you know, um, Flanagan as a young Aboriginal kid and looked after him um, and had him working for him. And um, Buchanan's own son, Gordon Buchanan, said Flanagan would do anything for old Bluey. So, you know, um, that's what they called Nathaniel. You can. 
what what else is known about about Flanagan's you know his his life was much known about his family or the reaction from those around him when when he was you know going through this difficult period in prison as well Queensland uh, State Library tried contacting them and looking for information on uh, the name Flanagan and um, um, specifically him where around that Richmond Downs Marion Downs in that uh, Diamantina area but we couldn't find nothing and um, uh, he also had another name um, an alias McManus Charlie McManus but we couldn't find zip so who knows you know um, of course he's got to be related to someone but um, and it'd be nice to to um, to find people who were, had a link to him, but um, you never know, you know, how it can pan out. Anyway, um, he was um, well thought of by the Buchanans. Um, he worked for them. He, he rode and brought cattle right across to the Territory and to WA, and um, he, he was... Gordon Buchanan said he was a fair stockman and an expert in the drafting yards and branding yards. He he showed how skilled he was. A guy called Brian Murphy asked him to ride um, two of his horses in the 1887 uh, Palmerston Cup in Darwin. And uh, he, he got three wins off the four rides and they were riding the same horse on the same day, just entering them in different races. And, um, yeah, he got um, the cup on um, a horse called Signet. So, yeah, he was quite skilled um, horseman. He loved horses, and you only got to look at his drawings to know he was he loved horses. Wasn't that, for a, a stockman, he wasn't that fond of um, cattle. Um, he um, There's two really small drawings of cattle in the entire 82 drawings. There's beautiful drawings of stockyards, of um, of uh, cattle station um, buildings. He loved architecture, and that shows also in his drawings of Darwin. No one knew that the drawings were of Darwin until I worked out. He kept drawing the same building over and over again, and then I realised it was a courthouse here in Darwin, and um, it was Smith Street and the Vic Hotel. Um, these buildings had a um, impact on him, and uh, he he drew them in his cell. Now, when I'm saying he he drew them in his cell, he was given paper and pencil, um, and he was in jail for ten months. He did eighty-two drawings. They never let him out, um, and it wasn't because they were cruel. Um, it was because they didn't have enough um, wardens. Um, who um, would be running the prison. They, they normally have about 35 to 40 blokes in prison. Um, and they had a big number of blokes on death row. So they had them chained. And uh, Charlie Flanagan had chains on his wrists and chains on his feet. And at night time, they chained him up to the, to the wall. Um, but yeah, he, he did all these drawings and some of them are quite exceptional. He's self-taught, you know, they're naive drawings, but they're not bad for a guy who taught himself how to draw. Absolutely. If you've just joined us, we're talking with Don Christofferson about the paintings from the A Little Bit of Justice 
exhibition, which is running at the SA Museum until the 10th of September. I wanted to ask a little bit more about the they, they these were these were archived in the SA in the SA Museum, and I was wondering if you had any idea as to you know how they made their way there, where where these where these uh, images were initially discovered. Yeah. Um... I know. I I finally found out who who was at his fu- um, execution, and there were about ten men, and it was you know the senior policeman, the the reverend, uh, the jailers, and the, they only let ten people in, and there were a couple of witnesses, um, and I think they were journalists, because they wanted this to be this execution to be um, written about and um, described as a as a warning and threat to people um, that the Northern Territory also would execute people like South Australia. And anyway, um, the um, bits of paper, his drawings, a guy called Alfred Searcy, who was at the execution, and he, he eventually went to South Australia and worked in Parliament House. Now, we know the drawings went through his hand somehow, and then went to a guy called um, Ramsey Smith, and uh, William Ramsey Smith, who was a coroner for um, South Australia, and uh, they eventually made their way from that coroner to the South Australian Museum. But um, 130-year-old drawings of bits of paper, and like I only saw them in the flesh the other day when I was in South Australia um, because I'd only ever seen them as uh, photocopies or um, electronic copies and um, when I saw them in the flesh what um, took my um, interest was the sharpness of the pencil and uh, um, they're they're quite small, they're postcard size um, drawings. Was it a common practice to for for people that were you know being 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 held in a cell etc to have access to these kind of art supplies is that was that a, something that as you understand would be common practice in jails around Australia during this time period? I think they did it. I think they gave him pen and pencil, uh, paper and pencil to um, keep his mind um, off what was going to happen. He may have asked for it. They gave it to him. And they're on South Australian paper. It's a watermark in there that clearly shows it's South Australian paper. So um, they gave him several bits of paper. He ripped the paper up into smaller pieces and drew on both sides. So he's very frugal about the use of that paper. He wanted to tell his story on um, in drawings rather than in text, you know. Now, there was a number of uh, Aboriginal men who were in Fanny Bay about five years before, in 1888, and um, a number of them did uh, um, a total of um, 24 drawings on A3-sized bits of paper, and they were all taken to um, the centenary in 1888 in Melbourne, and then on to South Australia. And uh, they're they're quite stunning images, but totally different style from uh, Charlie Flanagan's. Charlie Flanagan draws in a European style, whereas uh, the other artists are drawing in First Nation style of uh, representation of people and animals and um, other um, 
other artifacts, yeah. But yeah, it did happen in Fanning Bay uh, for various reasons, but um, these were the exceptional ones and these were the very early ones. If you have just joined, we're talking about a collection of 82 different pieces of art from Charlie Flanagan and how it's how it's kind of made its journey from being ridden in the in the in the gallows essentially to getting to the spot where we, where we can go and have a look at it and and see what you can learn from what 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 does sound like a, a it's a, it's a sad um it's a sad and uh, I guess morbidly interesting and uh, and and to the man's life and we have Darwin based historian and library library and archives northern territory creator Don Christopherson here um, Don, is, is there anything else that you wanted to kind of add that you think you know paints a, a good picture and would provide interesting information for people that were keen to go and go and check out this gallery? Yeah, um, look, um, certainly go and if you're interested, he um, he he has an amazing story, and I didn't want to tell um, on the front of the book. I didn't want to say Aboriginal man you know, this, that, and the other. I wanted people to look at it as uh, a human, a man um, who was a skilled jockey, a stockman, an artist, all these other things rather than a murderer, you know? And, um, yeah, he was uh, a young man, and uh, the reason he took a life was because of the bullying, bullying that he was receiving. You need to read the book or go online and um, there's some of the stories in the Koori Mail and NITV um, have done stories and uh, you can read a bit about it. But I've put together a book. Um, it's about 100 pages and um, it contains about 30 of his drawings plus other images and um, it tells the story of why. And it's photographs, it's drawings, it's... Um, uh, telegrams, it's other documents, reports, um, all the bits and pieces of paper that tell the story of Charlie Flanagan and his life. And um, the other thing about Charlie Flanagan, in 1919, they needed to make an airstrip right next to the Fanny Bay Jail. And um, for Ross and Keith Smith um, to land their plane there and... Um, they dug up four bodies, and uh, one of them would have been Charlie Flanagan's body, and they moved them over to the old golf course, and they buried him there. So he still lies there some somewhere today, out on the old um, golf course um, in Fanny Bay. Yeah, the other thing is, you know, I, if you go to South Australian Museum and have a look there in the shop, you'll see a book um, by myself, and that contains all that story. I was telling you about, and if if you can't find it um, or you want a book online, you're not going to a museum. Just have a look online and uh, look up my name, Don Christopherson, and um, we can send a book out to you. Wonderful, thanks for that, Don. And people can also catch you as part of the Sprig Salon, a little bit of justice panel discussion, which will be taking place on the second of June. Did you want to give uh, the people listening in a little bit of context about uh, about the panel and? You know, maybe maybe some of the the interactions that will be had between yourself, um, Uncle Major Moogie, and also Joel Bayless as well. Yeah, I'm I'm not too um, too uh, knowledgeable of the background about what's what and why it's happening, but um, yeah, I'll certainly contribute. Yeah. 
no problem. It's good. It's good to see that there's been you know a lot of a lot of space given to what is what is a pretty interesting story. And I wanted to thank you for your time and you know also your efforts putting together what is quite an interesting um, you know kind of picture picture of a man through his art and through all this around uh, surrounding information as well. Yeah, and that that um, why the exhibition's called a little bit of justice, and why I called my book a little bit of justice was that he he never got none way back then, 130 years ago. And even if we give him that little bit of justice in our in our head when we read um, his story, and uh, you can make your own mind up whether he should have met his end at the gallows or he should have done his time in prison. And um, other people did their time in prison and they only did 10 years and they were given a pardon and sent home, you know, for much worse crimes than uh, Charlie Flanagan. I figured also before before I let you go as well, within within the context of the background of Samuel Croker, who was the the man that was um, that that did die, and you know, resultingly had um, Charlie Flanagan put into put into jail. Would you be able to provide some of the context about what is known about about him as well? Well, yeah, he was um, a stockman. They all rode together. Um, they knew each other well. I suspect it was maybe a bit of. Um, because Charlie was the colour he was, maybe he could have been Samuel Kroger was a bit jealous because he'd won the Darwin Cup and was a gun jockey, um, horseman. And um, they were just playing cards one night and uh, and uh, Kroger just said the wrong thing to Flanagan and Flanagan said, well, let's walk outside and settle it out on the, out on the flat. And Croker said, well, I can't fight. I've got a pistol. So he grabbed his pistol, went to grab his pistol, and Flanagan got to his rival first and shot him. And uh, that was the other unusual thing about Flanagan was there were very few Aboriginal people um, getting around um, Australia that had their own rifles. He he had his own rifle, um, uh, his saddle, and uh, his two horses and uh, all his camping gear. So uh, he was um, the kind of man that stood up for himself and uh, expected to be treated as an equal. And I suspect not being treated as an equal was one of the reasons why he shot um, Samuel Croker. Yeah, it's very interesting, and also having the you know the the lens of 130 years to look back on. It's 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 the type of thing that yeah, I think that history that history fans gravitate towards because because he does seem like such a you know kind of like a strong, unique character, especially considering the time that he was that he was living in. Yeah, and uh, I I wonder if um, Charlie Flanagan would would have ever thought when he sat in that cell doing his drawings that um, he would have exhibitions in Adelaide, Darwin and Catherine um, of his drawings and people would be telling his story and talking about him um, 130 years later. Yeah, we can only we can only guess and you know if you wanted to find out a little bit more about about some of these paintings uh, these drawings sorry go, go check them out and once more Don thank you for taking the time to explain some of this some of this legacy behind the the events that took place all those years ago. No worries. Thank you, Isaac. You're listening into Aboriginal Way. That was a conversation with Don Christofferson about the life of Charlie Flanagan. A little bit of justice is on display now in the South Australian Museum. 
that's all the time we have for today. We'll catch you next week.